Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast, podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche, episode 120. Hi, Steve. Hi, mate. How you going? I'm well. I'm well. It's very weird how we say hello when we've already been talking for half an hour. Mm, kind of used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's become old hat now. I just want to say something before I start today. Um, <clears throat> actually, let's before Uh-oh. we get into that, I should say the usual thing. Um, welcome to everyone that's been here before and uh, welcome to our new listeners. And we should always say this because we never say it and I always say it. Uh, my name is Michael Bath and Steve is on the other end through Zoom. These are always done through Zoom and Steve is coming in from Sydney, Australia. Steve is my mate in Sydney, the co-host of this podcast as he likes to be Guest. called. <laughs> Guest. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, where was I? Oh, I was, had a, I'm just going to turn my level down because it's hissing. Um, I was having a brief uh, chat, not a not really a full-on chat. Uh, Ajmal, I know you're listening. Ajmal, that flat cap driver. If you haven't heard of flat cap driver, um, go over to YouTube, at flat cap driver. Yeah. It comes up. It's not the bus driving guy. It's the guy with the 912 and the 996. <laughs> So when you go over there, make sure, <laughs> make sure you give Ajmal a follow. He's got lots of videos there um, and he's also got an Instagram as well under the same name. But Ajmal yeah. and I was ta- Ajmal said to me, he said, you know, Friday's episode, you always sound really stressed. He told me in this message. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I didn't say this to Ajmal, but it, it, it kind of worried me, Steve. It bothered me a little bit. Really? Um, because I don't want the... It. Well, I don't want the listeners to come onto the podcast and think that I've, I'm, I'm sounding stressed. Um, I know Ajmal's probably saying it in, in half jest as well, I'm guessing, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, things are going on a lot. Uh, you know, things are happening here. It's been very, very busy. But um, And, you know, we record these episodes for, for the listeners that don't know this already. We record these on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 20 past 11 here at night if, if you guys are interested in when we're doing this recording. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so it was like, I thought, oh man, that's really terrible. You know, I don't want to sound, you know, this is a place where you come and zone out and talk about Porsches and, you know, we're, we're Porsche friends. It's, you know, just a casual Porsche chat as it always has been. Um, so I, I kind of apologize if it's if I've been sounding like I've been a bit on edge. Um, like I said, I have a lot on my mind, but I'm not really, um, I'm not like, you know, breaking point, that's for sure. I don't. I, I, um, I relish that and I think that um, the little avatar preview things that you put on YouTube and, um, and, um, on the iTunes thing and all that should be of the two grumpy old men from the Muppets. It's my favorite. <laughs> no, <laughs> just put that on there. Like, no. on the, on the YouTube clip, um, just find some footage and just have them and then we'll lip sync to that. Well, you know, one, one week is a joke. I was thinking for the listeners who don't know it on YouTube, <laughs> this, this podcast goes up on YouTube. Some people like to listen to it on YouTube instead of on the, you know, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Amazon. We're pretty much we're everywhere. We are everywhere. Um, we're not the number one Porsche podcast yet. I think Spike Ferriston has that role <laughs> or smoking tire, but you know, we're, we're getting close. We're getting close. Um, no, I was thinking one week, Steve. You know, I was going to put, uh, I was going to put um, just your picture from the video. I was just going to put your footage and not my footage, so people could just see you that, sitting. Mate. People could just see you sitting there during the whole podcast. Yeah, but I edit. I one. do edit. I do edit <laughs> gaps out, so it'd be it'd be even more work for me. So I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh um, yeah, of course, that'd be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Anyway, um, Ajmal, I know you're listening. Uh, 
am I stressed? Mm, I got a lot on my mind, as I said to you, I think, but uh, yeah, everything is okay. Everything's okay. It's pretty exciting. Tomorrow's going to be an exciting day, Steve. Tomorrow's an exciting day because we uh, mm-hmm. settle on the uh, new apartment tomorrow. So that's pretty exciting. Cool. Well done. Patreon. Let's start with Patreon, Steve. Uh, no new members on Patreon. Um, this podcast is up to episode 120. I think we have 36 um, Patreon members, Porsche Cooled exclusive members or Porsche Cooled members <clears throat> on Patreon, that's Steve. Cool. Um, 36 is good. 36 is good. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty much over, uh, we're over a hundred thousand downloads on this podcast. Um, so I don't know if those stats balance out, <laughs> but I still think it's, it's good balance, for the people. How do you mean balance out? <laughs> I don't know. It's worth your time. <laughs> I, I always like mathematics. I'm trying to work out whether, <laughs> how the scales there, 100, over a hundred thousand downloads, 36 Patreon members, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, but Patreon is the place where you go, uh, pushcooled uh, slash Patreon. No, that's not right. It's not pushcooled slash Patreon. What is it, Steve? Patreon.com slash pushcooled. Um, you can check us out there. Right, you I've can join. Been. You haven't been? <laughs> never, ever to Patreon full stop. Really? Um, I should give you a complimentary membership. I don't know how I do that, though. It's okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's between uh, two and ten dollars a um, two and ten dollars a month US dollars. I'm talking, unfortunately, um, two and ten dollars a month, and you just join, and it helps us keep talking, helps support the podcast. Um, and thank you to all the Patreon members who have supported us since the very beginning. There are a lot of you, so I'm not going to um, list everyone down, but a lot of people have basically been on since pretty much I started it. Oh, they've been members of Patreon for a long time, so that's very good. Thank you very much. What about that other thing? Um... Like, um, what's it called? Not colon, whatever it is, the, the chat room place? Discord. Discord. Close enough, Discord. Yeah, Discord is what a lot colon. of people use. I know a lot of people are familiar with it, um, community-based thing. Um, mm. We've actually, look, I apologised. I know that there's been quite a few people have joined. Uh, really? I think the, yeah, I think um, I made you the podcast host. You're on, you're, your role is podcast host, Steve, so you have a special colour. Um, so there's certain roles um, for certain people. People who are in Porsche Cooled uh, Patreon get a special color because it just gives access to different things. That's all. Um, eventually, I haven't really set it up properly. Um, like I said, Todd mm-hmm. at Stone City Outlaw sort of motivated me to to publicize it. I guess um, I hadn't really publicized it. Um, there's a few people on there. Uh, once again, I'm not going to mention names because I can't remember everyone. But there's a few people on mm-hmm. there. People out of owner stories. A few new people, and I think it's good. I think. It will work. All you need to do is go over to Discord. I'll put the link in this podcast, Steve. I have been putting the link in Instagram stories um, mm-hmm. on Porsche Cooled. If you haven't seen the link and you need it, just DM me. I had a few people DM me during the week for it. <clears throat> but basically, it's a place, Steve. Um, you know, it's just a community. It's like a forum. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was the idea to mm-hmm. make it like a Porsche Cooled forum with us, with the community. Um, so you can, you know, I've set up certain channels there. I used it a lot when I, like I said, when I was doing Drive Tribe stuff. Um, I don't really do Drive Tribe anymore, but that's how they sort of communicate yep. with everyone um, right. who's in that Drive Tribe, <clears throat> in the Drive Tribe monetization plan, which I was in for a while there. But basically, you can post, yeah, you can post image. You know, we can, you know, I've set it up so you can post images of your cars. You can give, you know, you can put links there if you want to put links to videos that you know you want other guys to see. You can put links mm-hmm. to events if you want events. There's channels for everything, you know, like Steve, your, your knobs, you know, you can put links to the knobs so the guys know where they can get them. Because people ask. Everyone wants to yeah. see my knobs. Yeah. The R-rated people. section of colon. <laughs> but, 
you know, it's just, you know, it's just a place to share, share information and chat. Um, that's all it is. Um, so if you want to join that, it's um, Discord on, it's Pushkood on Discord, but you will need an invite from me. So I'll have to give you an invite. But like I said, it's just a sort of public invite that lasts for about seven days. And I can, um, I can DM that for anyone that wants it or it'll be in the description of the podcast. It is in the description of the podcast on YouTube. Cool. What else, mate? Um, I feel like I'm rambling tonight. Porsche Good Owner Stories. I know you haven't mm. listened to it because I didn't send it to you again. It's okay. All good. good. Jeremy, uh, Jeremy was on this week. Uh, had a good chat with Jeremy not that long ago, actually. I think it was about just before Goodwood. So it must have been a week ago, or just over a week ago. It wasn't mm-hmm. that long ago. I'm, I haven't really done, done the owner stories a lot in advance, Steve, because I've been lazy. Yep. Busy. Yeah, busy, busy. Um, but Jeremy, was, uh, Jeremy reached out to me. We had a good chat. He's in the Cotswolds, which is in the UK, which is just outside of London. Lovely area. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got a 992 Carrera in white. Uh, cool. He's got my favorite wheels, the graphite um, uh, RS Spider wheels, which I think are oh, yeah. fantastic on that 992. I really like those wheels. Yep. Jeremy, also Hard Steve Jer- Yeah, that. you know what? I was I'm thinking a, about that. Go on. Sorry, I was about to say I'm on a bit of a cleaning frenzy at the moment, which um, I'm sure we'll wind up talking about. My uncle's got those same sort of spidery wheel things and they're a pain in the ass to clean. <laughs> Massive pain in the ass. Yeah, I didn't talk to Jeremy about that. He he doesn't have a garage for his car. It's parked outside, um, but he said he oh, likes to detail it. He's always washing it. Um, yeah, and I hard. think in his street, you know, he was looking at his car when he was talking to me because we were obviously on camera. And it's outside mm-hmm. his um, window where he was looking out. And he said, you know, mm-hmm. his street's got a, quite a few people that own Porsches and they're all parked on the street, basically. Yeah, right. Um, right. <clears throat> but he, the 911 was his second Porsche. His first 911, which is what yep. he wanted. Yep. Uh, his first Porsche was a 718 Boxster. I won't give it all away because I, I, I always give too much away. Um, but basically his, his Porsche uh, story started really early when he was a kid. I think he said he was nine or ten years old. Um, and his... Uh, Uncle was lent a 930 Turbo. I think it was his father's boss lent his uncle a 930 Turbo. Sorry if I got this wrong, Jeremy. I'm doing this wow. off the top of my head. Um, yep. And Jeremy, when he first reached out to me, he sent me a photo. And one of the photos was him as a kid in this 930 Turbo. He's still got the photo. Yeah, cool. And he keeps that photo in his 911. He's got a copy of it, which he puts under the visor just to remind him of, you know, where he was That's and where cool. he's... Yeah, it's cool. I think it's a really, it's a really cool thing to do. Um, so he's got memories of that 930 turbo and then he's got memories of a, um, I think it was a 920, 924 S. Oh man, I'm Mm -hmm. terrible. I should have wrote this down. I think it was a 924, 924 S. I'm pretty sure. I think his mother worked for a dentist and she had, and he had a 924 S and, um, the dentist would give him, this is when Porsche used to send out calendars, Steve. So the dentist would get the calendars and he would give them to Jeremy. Oh yeah. So every that's month cool. I'd have a different... Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, when your kid's like, which one? Which one am I going to get? Do they still make a Pirelli calendar? Do they still make that really famous Pirelli calendar? I calendar? don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that would girls. be very un-PC these days, wouldn't it? I, I think they've stopped it. I think they have yeah. stopped it because I don't remember it right. being around. Um, people don't really use calendars anymore, do they? It's a weird thing. It was like such a popular no. thing, huh? Every time yeah, you went to a mechanic I'd, shop, you'd see some, you know, boobs in your face when you were waiting there, remember? In the yeah, but that Pirelli calendar um, <laughs> would, the, I mean, the old ones would probably be worth an absolute mint now. I mean, any sort of memorabilia type thing's probably kind of taken off as well, but um, yeah, true. amazing photographers that shot that Pirelli calendar. Yeah, yeah. You know what's great about Jeremy's story, though? 
what I really liked mm-hmm. is he bought the 718 Boxster. He ordered it new, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he buys this, this common thread, Steve, you know, buy what you can afford. But he mm-hmm. wanted, he, he bought a new one because he mm-hmm. daily drives his Porsches. Yeah, and he cool. bought the 718 Boxster. He put like 70-odd thousand miles on it. So what's that, 110,000 kilometers in four years? So he drives wow. them. He goes, to the, he goes to Europe. He drives it in Europe. He, they, he just yeah, cool. really enjoys his car. And, yep. you know, he bought the 911 as well, the same sort of thing. You know, he bought a new one. He ordered it. Um, took a little while to come in. And he had, yep. had it for almost a year. Specced it out the way he wanted it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and, cool. dra- and drives it daily. And I think that's the benefit don't you think this is the benefit? I mean, yes, it depends on your income. Yes, it depends on, mm. you know, your situation. Jeremy bought, he didn't buy an S or a GTS. He bought a Carrera. You know, he spec'd it out yep. modestly. Yep. You know, he spent a lot on the yep. wheels. He did a really good option, the one where you get the, where the red goes away from the back, Steve, you know, off the back um, grill where the red lights is. You can get that in clear, which I think looks really, really uh, good. Okay. I think they yeah, do right. that in clear in the back lights, which is a really nice option actually when that when that is actually not red. Um, right. For some reason, it does look better. It really does look better. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? It comes back down to the point is that, you know, you buy a new car and of course you've got depreciation, I understand, and, and it's, it's not always an easy decision. But if you want that peace of mind with warranty and, you know, and I guess if you are changing a car every four years and you're driving mm. it that much, does, is it worthwhile to buy a new 911? Hard to say. Never been in this sort of circumstance, um, but it made me realise when sort of chatting with a brother-in-law quite a few years ago, well, not quite a few years, like a couple of years ago now, um, but I, um, it made me kind of realise that if you run your own business and it's sort of like a business car, that's when brand new cars and depreciation, all that kind of stuff don't really matter anymore and then you can kind of do what you want. I've never done it myself. I kind of was in talking to him because um, um, obviously from a financial point of view, that's how he kind of rolls. But it, it just sort of made me wonder whether or not if you were in that circumstance and you just kind of turned it over all the time, whether you would be, um, how do I put it, less attached to your car because you know you're kind of just burning up the Ks and all of that sort of stuff and that you're basically going to flip it at the end of its um you know, if it's on a business lease or business finance or whatever, but I don't know. But I guess, you know, you're dailing it. You're not just using it for work. You, you know, you buy a really, you know, you buy the 911, the 911 Carrera, I think, you know, so much power. What is it? Nought to 100 is, nought to 60, nought to 100 is what, three, four point something seconds? Like four seconds four point, or something. Yeah. yeah, four seconds, which is crazy. This is just for the Carrera, right? I think the Carrera is yeah, yeah, sub yeah. four seconds. Yeah. So when you think about it and then, you know, if you live in the, you know, if, when you're living in places like the UK, UK, you've got Europe at your doorstep. You've got all those great roads. It's easy to drive there. Yeah. You can see how you could put miles on your car. Do you know what I mean? Because I know you put a note oh, in our yeah. notes. How you put a note in our notes is like mileage. Is mileage that important for 911s? You know, Ferraris, everyone say Ferrari. For high mileage Ferrari, you lose a lot of money. You know what I mean? People don't want high mileage Ferraris. Um, yeah, well, it never used to be. Never, mileage never... Porsches never used to be as mileage sensitive as they are now. And it well, was Porsches are always driven, weren't they? They're always high mileage cars. They used to be high mileage cars. Because they're, they're um, designed as an everyday car because it is a sports car, but it is practical. It's got two back seats and, you know, trunk space. Uh, if you drive in Europe and all of that sort of stuff in the really, really old days and there was snow, like because it's rear engine, you know, you had traction. Um, they were reliable, this, that, and everything else. So they were, meant, they were always designed to be driven. Um, 
Ferrari is not so much and, you know, like obviously they depreciate massively if you kind of put too many Ks on it. But it, I, want, I sort of just given where Porsche is kind of going now, um, they seem to be coming maybe, maybe a little bit more mileage sensitive, but then, you know, the counter argument to that would be, well, it's a bit of a waste, isn't it? If you go and burn, you know, a couple hundred grand on your pride and joy, whatever it is, but now like talking Porsches, um, but you, you feel, um, you feel kind of hemmed in about the amount of mileage that you can rack up on it. Like you kind of balk mm, at driving mm. it just because you sort of feel like you're going to put too many Ks on it. I don't know. That sort of grates a little bit. Is this a modern thing? You know, this, mm. you know, I keep coming back to PPF, right? People, you know, in the seventies and eighties with their Ferraris, they didn't put PPF on yep. the car, right? They didn't have no. protection, pain protection film, even if it probably didn't yep. even exist. You know, they'd probably yep. polish their car or wax it or get it detailed or, you know, put it through a automatic car wash. You know what I mean? Yep. Like people weren't so precious of their possessions. Because they had no, well, they had no choice, as you <clears> sort of say, and, but yeah. And I wonder if that's because, and I might upset people saying this, maybe I shouldn't say it. I, I wonder if that's because in the 70s, in, in that time, people who bought these cars mm-hmm. were wealthy people, right? No, I don't think so. Is that the reason? You know, you know, if you have tons of money, things tend not to bother you as much, right? No, I don't agree. You don't think that's the case? <laughs> then I'm no, trying to work out. Agree. I'm trying to work out though, because it's a modern way of thinking, right? This modern way of thinking where, you know, everything yep. has to be pristine, even your car, you know, even watches, you know, people putting PPF on watches, which I just think is insane. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't understand that. Like, you know, we both have Rolex, we both have, you know, Rolex, we both have expensive watches. Mm-hmm. I just wear them. I don't, I don't mind if they get a bit of wear and tear on them. You know what I mean? Of course, I'm not going to bash it against a wall and I'm still going to be careful with it, but every bit of scratch or whatever is fine. But we're not really yeah. the same with our cars, are we? You know, this is the thing. Are we the same with our cars? You and I? Not yeah, really. I, mm, I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> are we? I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily think that, you know, like if you're wealthy, you don't care because some would argue that, you know, wealthy people got that, got to that point by, you know, being Caring. more careful kind of thing. I don't know yeah. why I said that. No, no, no. I know what you're saying. Like, you know, whatever, if people get offended too bad. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just, I've, Going back to my original kind of point, which is I just think it's a bit of a shame if you kind of get to the point where the thing is so precious from a mileage point of view. It's like it kind of came up a little bit when I was thinking, when I was doing my insurance renewal and stuff like that, just with this stupid kind of value conversation that's kind of endless but potentially boring. Um, It's just a shame because you just kind of go, well, it's a car, just drive it, enjoy it. You know, it's crazy to spend this month this much yeah. money, not just on the actual purchase price, but then when you factor in your insurance, like in, obviously your insurance is more expensive, the servicing costs more expensive, and stuff like that. So, if you kind of burn all this money, but you're not actually getting to enjoy it in terms of the driving experience, and you're holding back because of that, it's like ah, uh, that's a shame. I don't know. I keep coming back to right. Is it a modern? Is it this a modern thing? It's a modern way of thinking about your possessions, right? Cars, watches, everything, right? Now, is this because of the social society that we're in, the social media society where everything is shared? A lot of things are shared, mm-hmm. right? So people mm-hmm. want things to be perfect. And this this comes into cars, it comes into watches, it comes into everything being, you know, like, I can't wear my Rolex because I can't get a scratch on it. You know what I mean? 
Um, I've mm-hmm. had people reach out to me. Oh, how can you, you know, you wear that? Aren't you worried about getting scratches? You know, like it's a watch. You know what I mean? It's a car. Now, mm. I go back to like 70s and 80s, right? Ferraris. I don't know whether, I think in the 70s and 80s, and I, you know, I don't know for sure, but I think, like we said, Porsches were well driven, you know, they were used. Mm-hmm. I think at the time, even certain Ferraris were well driven. People that owned them did actually drive them. Is it just a modern Somewhat. thing? Yeah, it's a modern thing where everyone that buys new Ferraris, new, new Porsches, especially if they're 911Rs or your Tourings, you know, you're worried about, like you said, you're worried about putting the mileage on because you're worried about um, getting your money back. Now, Jeremy said an interesting thing to me. He's, he's oh. looking at buying a, a GTS next. He wants to get a 992 GTS. He's going to go jump mm-hmm. right up to the top, right? Um, yep. Or not jump to the top, but, you know, jump up a few levels, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, he, as he said. Yep. He said, you know, he's... You know, yep. and as he's, you know, it's a, it's a big spend, right? But he's, he's thinking yep. about a Targa, a, a GGS Targa. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, and he said that his local dealer, his Porsche dealership, which is quite a well-known yep. Porsche dealership, said that yep. they would take his car back now, the one he's got, would it be almost mm-hmm. the same amount of money that he paid for it. Yep. And that's, that's a year with, <clears throat> I think he's done 8,000 miles or something or whatever on it. So what's that? Yeah. 15,000. And... Your value's there. So, yes, miles matter, but demand matters more, don't you think? Demand is more important than mileage, I think. Um, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I don't know. It's, um, again, I know what you're kind of saying, but I guess in his particular circumstance, because there's a shortage of, you know, the chip sort of situation, Supply is kind of short, de- demand's kind of high. That's kind of keeping the values up. You know, that's a good deal to kind of just give you back, give back your car, and you've done eight thousand miles on it. Blah blah blah. I don't know. Would it be the same, for example, with an older car? Call it my car, which is compared to, um, I'm assuming, like the average. I think my car probably has higher mileage on it. It's kind of got eighty something, eighty thousand. 80-something thousand on a 997 GT3. A lot of the ads that I kind of sort of see floating around are probably more about 50, 60 maybe. But that one um, with 100,000 kilometres at um, Dutton's was no cheaper, mm-hmm. right? It was about the same price. Don't know what it sold for though, I guess. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> I was listening to, well, I started listening to it last night and I haven't finished it because I listened to it on YouTube, yeah. um, Smoking Tire yeah. with Matt Farah because... You know, Magnus Walker was yep. on it. I always like to hear yep. what Magnus Walker has to say because I think he's he's quite good at reinventing himself and doing things that people don't expect him to do. Um, mm-hmm. But Matt Farah, and I don't know if anyone of the listeners have heard it already, <clears throat> you know, it's when he does the live stream and then he takes it off and then he puts it back on, so I don't know whether it's back yep. up. Um, yep. And he's talking about his 328 GTS, his Ferrari. And he yep. said, you know, they were having, I can't remember the exact words, but, you know, Matt Farris said, look, I could have bought a new car, a Mercedes-Benz. He said, but this Ferrari is like, I bought it because I want to drive it. And Mm -hmm. if I bought a new Mercedes, for example, the depreciation, I would lose so much money. He said, even with the repairs and work I've done on this Ferrari 328 DS, which is an 80s Ferrari, it's still not going to cost me more than if the money I would have lost on a Mercedes-Benz for depreciation. And the 328 GTS is still going to be worth probably more when I sell it than what it's worth now. Do you know what I mean? It's going to appreciate. And I think this is the misconception with classic cars. It's like people think classic cars are a money pit. And I guess they are a money pit, but new cars have a big depreciation hit. 
unless you're buying a Porsche at the moment because people can't, you know, Porsche 911 because they can't produce enough. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think there's so many variables in it. Like it's so hard to kind of generalise because I think, you know, like in Matt Farrow's instance and probably that ilk of person like a Magnus or whatever, I think particularly when you've then got multiple cars, like say you've got more than two or three kind of cars, so you actually have the choice. Um, yes, you can you can kind of go and drive it as much as you kind of want, but you're never, you're never still going to rack up, you know, like 20,000 kilometres a year because if you've kind of got, you know, six cars kind of thing, then if you average it all out, you'll just never kind of do that kind of case. So it's an easier conversation. You're not deliberating anything. Maybe the part of the reason, you know, like with, you know, what you were sort of referring to, like 70s, 80s Porsches kind of thing, or even that was me, like with um, my first two, my 964 and my 993, it was my, they were my literally only car. Um, and in a lot of instances, I was driving it every day. It might not have been like huge mileage, but I was still driving it every day. And that's where the kind of um, sort of mileage came from. I didn't really have a choice, you know. Um, uh, what does that mean? It's like, yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't regret it in any way, like racking up the kind of mileage as long as you kind of enjoy it. it sometimes it can sort of feel a little bit of a shame. This is from my experience that, um, if you're driving your air-cooled 911 in like a daily commute or even I sort of did my duty three a little bit um, yeah. for a while there yeah. um, and you're just literally kind of riding the clutch in traffic and everything, then that 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 does feel like a waste. Um, yeah, but, I don't know. I, I, Porsche Ferrari mileage though, I think, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right though. I mean, Ferrari still, even if, and 80s Ferraris to 80s 911s. Um, yeah. Ferraris have high mileage. Some of them still have high mileage, but obviously they're not as high as 80s Porsches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Porsches still are probably yeah. more like double, the, double the mileage, double the kilometres, I think, from yeah. memory, from what I've seen. But so, I think what you said in your mindset. notes, though, is true, though. It's changed, hasn't it? People are more conscious of their mileage on there. Most people. And I wanted to say Jeremy because Jeremy enjoys his cars and he drives them and he really wants to enjoy it and, 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 and take it everywhere, and, and, and you know, which yeah. is great. And I think that's really fantastic. And I know that even with me, sorry, Steve, even with me with my 997, yeah. I think I was being a little bit too precious. Now that I've been away for the car for a while, away from the yeah. car for a while because I've, you know, I haven't been in Australia for those people that don't know, and my car's in Australia. Yep. I think that I was a little bit too precious. And I think being at a distance for quite some time and missing driving the car, I realized that I've kind of missed out on some things and I should have actually driven it more. Like I should have taken mm -hmm. more longer drives. I shouldn't be that, you know, I'd still like to clean it. I still like to keep it clean. I still like to detail it. That's just me. You know, that's how I've always sure, sure. been since I had a bicycle. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think I was really driving it enough and i think and maybe this is you know maybe this is because now you know i've had two years where the cars had no mileage on it so my car's still only sure. got fifty-one thousand odd kilometers yep. so you know even when i go back you know to make up the mileage over two years i can drive it as much as i want really you know what i mean so it's not just well. yeah, yeah yeah so i'm not fussed if i get to seventy thousand kilometers or whatever because seventy thousand kilometers for a car that's you know 16 years old or whatever it is is nothing still makes it low mileage no yeah it's nothing yeah it's just, I, I don't know, I think it's also like this kind of funny psychological thing, a bit of a mentality. Like if you were going to hunt for a car, everybody sort of tries to find a lower mileage car. The, a lot of people make the kind of counter argument, which to me does make a hell of a lot of sense. It's like 
Um, if the car's actually kind of got more mileage on it, but it's driven not in traffic, you know, it's driven like, you know, once a week kind of thing um, and it's going for a good run, um, there's an argument that's sort of saying that's a better way to look after your car because like, you know, everything's kind of properly lubricated, everything heats up properly. So it means the car mechanically is potentially in better condition than something that's just kind of sat there. Um, everybody knows this. I'm not sort of saying anything new, right? No, but then. No. But then if you kind of go shopping for a car and somebody tells you that it's got like 100,000K versus like, you know, 40,000K, which one are you going to pick? <laughs> it's just this funny thing that everybody's geared to. If the price, well, depending on the price, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> depending on the price. And interesting, and I'll, I'll, I'll refer back to Smoking Tire, and I think a lot of people know this story. Magnus Walker bought a Turbo S. Um, he bought a 991.1 mm-hmm. Turbo S. Apparently it's mm-hmm. the highest mileage Turbo S. I think it's got 160,000 miles on it. 160,000 miles. It's had a PDK yep. change out from the previous owner that cost 20,000 US to change the PDK transmission, PDK yep. transmission. <clears throat> he wasn't interested. He was interested because it was a high mileage that interested him. I think the price mm-hmm. interested him. I did see it online actually. It was 60,000, 60 odd thousand US. He never quotes the price, but I actually saw it on Auto Canal where he bought it from and it was 60 odd thousand US when it was listed. I saw it before he mm-hmm. bought it because I mm-hmm. look at that side every now and again. And he wasn't interested, but now he says it's a great car, it's a great touring car. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know. If, if you were looking for a, a Turbo SA, you know what I mean? And there was such a huge price differential, would you still go, would you go for the one that's got no mileage or would you go for the one that's high mileage because you wouldn't, you were not necessarily in the market for, say, a Turbo S or a Turbo 991 mm-hmm. Turbo, but there was mm-hmm. appealing because it is only, you know, half the price of the low mileage one. I reckon, this is me at least, but I sort of reckon that most people would probably think like this. Um, unless you're kind of crazy wealthy, like let's not talk about that type of person where money's no object, you're always going to have a budget to kind of shop on. So if your kind of budget is like um, 80 grand, then obviously you're psychologically going to go, oh, okay, like if it's 85, then that's okay. I you know, can spend that extra bit. But whatever your ceiling is, you just basically buy the best car that you can for that absolute maximum budget. And if you can kind of creep up a model, okay. um, you know, sort of say you're going from a base Carrera to an S or, you know, you can sneak up to a GTS or, you know, like um, from a McCann S to a turbo kind of thing, like um, yeah. we did with my, with my wife's car. Um, if you can do that within the sort of realms of your budget, then unfortunately I don't think, I think that, Budget is the thing that defines everything. Like you're, you're always limited by the money. But is it yeah. experience though, Steve? It's not experience that you can experience something you wouldn't be able to experience because it has high mileage and the price is low because of that. Mm-hmm. Would you um, buy that car just to have that experience because, hey, I can't really get into that car usually. You know, like, yeah. let's just talk about old SUVs even, you know. Like, I really yeah. want a Range Rover. I want to experience driving around in a Range Rover. I can't buy mm-hmm. a new one at 200000 Australian, but, hey, I can buy a 2005 model for twenty grand. Do you buy mm-hmm. it for twenty grand and just enjoy it and know it's going to have issues and whatever, but then just get rid of it Is, because you're experiencing it? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. As long as you're kind of doing it with your eyes open, you know what kind of bills you're up for. <laughs> Because I think there's a bit of a false economy in like a you know twenty grand Range Rover because like <laughs> yeah. those things. Are, <laughs> Once you start, I know you're just sort of talking about bum for a second. Well, well yeah, they are but, twenty grand. I, I I actually, you know, because I had someone on early owner stories um, who had yeah. who bought one, 
Um, yeah. And I think at the time I was looking at them, and even in Australia, it's like, how can that be? And some are 10 grand. It's like, what what yeah. amount of money would you have to put into that 10,000 Range Rover HSE, you know, V8? Uh, you know what I mean? When I, when I take Walter, my dog, for a walk every morning, there's a dude around the corner that's got, um, well, he had, I think he just got rid of it, um, a black V8 Rangey, and it sounds so good. Um it just so happened one day I was walking past and he was walking his dog. He was just walking out of his house with his dog. And I sort of said, I couldn't help myself. I just sort of said to him, man, your Range Rover sounds amazing. Has that got like some exhaust on it? And he said, no, nah, it's standing out of the factory. Um, and I said, has it been reliable? And he said, yeah, yeah, it's been really good. But like funny that you say that, we're just getting rid of it because it's just kind of getting to that point. Really? But um, it looks so cool and has so much character. But any anybody that I've ever known that's had a Rangey, like a, an older one sort of, call it like 2000 and backwards um yeah it's just said that it was just like a complete piece of shit and then it would just sort of fall apart and cost them a fortune and all that sort of stuff yeah they I've, I've said this before i think you know range rovers porsche cayans they're really affordable in bahrain because they're very there's a mm. lot of them especially mm. range rovers there's a lot of them um mm. and i know someone who had a um not the range rover i think it was the other one discovery lr4 i think it's right. lr4 lr4s i think they're called and, you know, they were telling me the cost of the last service bill in Bahrain. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say it. And it was absolutely, no. absolutely insane. And this is the same people that also have a, um Escalade SUV, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the cost of that <laughs> was just insane. Like, I can't believe you yeah. pay that much for a, a service of a car. Like, you think Por- Porsches are cheap, yeah. you know what I mean? Think about your couple of years service and that's how much one service would cost you, you know what I mean? Yeah, Multi-year yeah, yeah. service. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, you know, it's funny talking about this because we're talking about daily, daily drivers, talking about value, Steve, but, you know, and yeah. I'm not going to give it away, but there is someone that I've been speaking to during the week who I know yeah. um, who's just um, traded, and I know they're listening, and I'm not going to give it away. I said I wouldn't give it away, um, who's traded yeah. their um, 911 for a better 911. Yeah. Um, someone mm-hmm. who's quite happy with their 911 previously, who's now Exciting. upgraded quite Obviously. a few steps okay. up, quite a few steps up the rung, up the ladder, and they sent me the car mm-hmm. they bought, um, and I know he's listening, and you know it's a fantastic car. He asked me what I thought of it. I said, look, it's to me, it's really, really, you know, it's great. Um, it's uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a career, it's not a career or two, but you know, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And I think he's got a great car, and I think he's going to love it. And it's you know, it's a couple of steps up from what he already has. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be exciting. So I'm waiting for him to get it delivered and then he's going to tell me how the experience is. But um, I think it's um, it's good to hear those stories. You know what I mean? Like you think you're so happy mm-hmm. with one something. And I can't, I'm coming back to me here, Steve. You know where I'm coming. I'm leading on to this. Um, mm-hmm. I really like my 997. And I was talking to Natasha mm-hmm. the other day about, you know, <clears throat> I still think it's a good car to hold on to, even though it is just mm-hmm. a Carrera. And I know, you, you know, and money being no object, of course, I would mm-hmm. just hold on to it because I yeah, think in five years' time, you know, the value and not just the value, just the car itself. I think it's a really well-rounded car for a base Carrera, yep. you know, even with the IMS issue, which doesn't bother me anymore. Yep. But then with values going up, like you said, and I remember this um, conversation at Auto House a while back, a long time ago when I was sitting there upstairs and, and I think, I can't remember if it was mm-hmm. Grant that said it when I was just sitting there, he was telling someone else. No, I think it was he was someone was telling me, maybe it was um maybe it was Rick. That these people I don't know who it was actually. These people who had air cooled cars, this is when the air cooled values were going up, Steve. 
Mm-hmm. And all these people that, you know, Order House has as customers have these air cools, these people, and they bought them yeah. so cheap. And mm-hmm. then the prices were going crazy. And like, they get to this point where it's like, what do I do with this car now? Do I keep it? Yep. Do I sell it? You know, it was yep. 30 grand. Now it's 130 grand, you know? Yep. Now it's 200, you know, today it's like 230 grand. You know yep. what I mean? Like G50, G50 3.2s that cost 29,000 and now, you know, this is a time when they were just going up. Mm-hmm. And I remember them, I remember them, I think they might have been talking to someone else and I was listening in, that they just mm. don't know what to do with the car. They don't know whether they should give it up, give it up or keep it. Yeah, you know, has know. that happened to you? That it's point probably, where you think, you know, no. I, I should give it up because I can get another, you know, like my car was 90 grand Australian and now maybe it's 110,000 Australian. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like property, isn't it? It's like houses. You know, you get the extra money, but then everything's going up along with it. So yeah, is it, exactly that is it something so you want to do? If you're selling but then buying in the same market, just like property kind of thing, then you're kind of screwed regardless. So like even if um, you make money on the car that you're kind of selling, you're still going to have to kind of pay through the nose for the next one, potentially, depending on what it is kind of thing. I guess maybe like if you're in that sort of particular predicament and you kind of uh, got lucky and all of a sudden you made a mint on on the car, it maybe it sort of solidifies in your brain whether or not um, you really kind of love the car that much kind of thing, um, you know, because like, yes, you can make a kind of quick buck, but, you know, would you part with it? Now, talk about myself for a second, like with my car, which has appreciated, um inadvertently I was when I bought my car I wanted to buy something that you know felt like a kind of step up from my 993 um I tried I I sort of thought I was being smart about it in terms of getting something that I knew would potentially not depreciate um so much as well um I sold my 993 at that point that you were talking about where air cooled started to kind of uh go up I didn't make money on my car but um you know it was cool um, but Can I interrupt for a second though? But at the time, yeah. you pretty much yeah. got your money back, didn't you? Which you were actually happy with, wasn't it? You pretty much yeah. got what you what you paid for it. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. well, and when I remember you telling me that, I thought, well, that's great. That's fantastic. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, that's because cool. in those days, yeah, you in got those your days, money back. It's like unheard of. Yeah, you know, it's like pay 90 grand for it and sell it for 90 grand. It's like, holy shit, that's, that's amazing. Like, you know, nobody that, like you sort of said to your brother, like people don't make money on cars or people always lose money on cars. Um, take out the money that I kind of sunk into it on maintenance. Anyway, so then I kind of went to this 907 GT3. I didn't buy it like with the point of view of literally kind of going, am I going to make money on this thing? I just bought it with the point of view of as long as, you know, like my, you know, whatever it was doesn't sort of halve, then, you know, I'm kind of sweet. That that That's purely the way that I kind of thought about it from a value point of view. Now, Strangely, I'm kind of one of the lucky ones, but I think now like a lot of us are all in this boat where all of a sudden your car is kind of more valuable than it kind of was. Um, But if somebody offered me, you know, like if somebody, if I went to a Cars and Coffee and somebody saw my car, said they loved it, said they were looking for it, offered me kind of crazy, like what I sort of believe is crazy money for it. So I'm just going to pull numbers out of my bum for a sec. Like say somebody offered me um, 300K, you know, for my 997 GT3. You'd be tempted, right? No, wouldn't do it. No? No. No. And like, and I'm not sort of saying that to kind of whatever, like sound stupid or make up tales or whatever. I just, I kind of go like to me, 
to me, I love that car sort of so much. Like the monetary part of it, yes, you know, kind of gives you something to brag about if you're talking to people kind of thing. But overall, I just kind of go, nah, you know, like um, what I kind of get out of it in terms of the actual kind of enjoyment and stuff like that, you know, if you kind of gave me 300 grand for that thing, what am I going to go and do with it? I'm just going to go and buy, like try to find something that's pretty much the same. So what would I bother? Yeah. Yeah. I've got it to the point where I've kind of perfected it. Like maybe I'd kind of, you know, love to kind of have something that might be a different color or, you know, whatever else, but. Um, do a wrap. You yeah. change it now. Yeah. So I don't like if somebody, <laughs> if somebody offered me, you know, like, like obviously you can kind of get really out of hand and go, oh, well, somebody offered you a half million dollars. And of course, you know, like there's a price on everything. So I'm not sort of. Yeah, I'm but 300, sort of 300K, if someone offered you 300K, I mean, to the listeners that don't know it in, in you know, in US yeah. and, and Europe, they're listening to, you know, Steve's car is probably, you know, market value is around 220 ish thousand in Australia, right? That's what a yeah. 997, a good 997.1 yep. GT3 is, 220, 230, somewhere like that. Yep. You know, yep. so if someone offered you 300, it's, it's, you know, it's it's not unheard of that someone wouldn't offer you close to that, and I don't. I think it's not that far away. I don't think it's that far away because I think it's re- no, the market no, is drying. The market is drying up. You can see it. Look how many nine nine six GT three S's were for sale and nine nine six GT threes. Yeah, they're just they're just not there anymore. They just go. This yeah. is the thing with every Porsche. We look at it and go, oh, they're still there, and this one comes up, and then they just disappear. No one sells them yeah. anymore. You know. So again, like I'm not. The, the point to saying that is not so much actually about the kind of physical sum, like, you know, the hypothetical kind of 70 grand or whatever else. So just kind of go to me, to me kind of personally, um, unless you're sort of talking about literally kind of making me rich kind of thing, it doesn't matter like how much more than the actual market value that somebody might offer it to me. I don't, I just don't think that I could then take that and go and get something else that I would necessarily kind of be happier with. Like if you kind of gave me 911R money, then okay, then we're having a slightly different conversation. But um, if we're basically still in, you know, 997 GT3 kind of territory, even if you get me to RS, 997 GT3 RS territory, like, yeah. Work, yeah. So do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's not physically about the kind of sum. It- you know what surprises me? <clears throat> Talking about GT3 RS, 991.1 GT3 RSs, I've noticed there's quite a few for sale again. Like they've all appeared, they've all popped yep. up. And they yep. seem to be around, I mean, there's outliers, there's ones at 399, right, for mm-hmm. one. But they mm-hmm. seem to be around that 360,000 Australian dollar mark, 369, 365. Seemingly that's cheap? That's pretty good, isn't it? For, that's a point yeah, one. seemingly good value? Yeah, yeah, I think that's really good value. I think that's a really good value if if you can pick one up like that at that price. Um, if you had the yeah, money, I really like to, the I like the point one GT three RS. I think I I really like it. Similar to how um, GT twos never seem to kind of command like until yeah. the the most recent one. Like they were always the sort of car that seemed to kind of tip um, value kind of quite quickly and then yeah. never sort of retain it. But maybe that might change. Anyway, what about? I just want to go back Sorry. for a second because it's interesting what you said. You know, when you bought your car, you didn't buy it thinking it's going to go up in value. You know what I mean? No. And no. when I bought my Carrera, and you know, you with me, you helped me buy it, no. um, and that was no. 2017. So it's you know, it's almost five years in February. Next February, five yep. years. Yep. I bought that car, and I haven't hid the price before. It cost me eighty-eight thousand or whatever it was, eighty-eight thousand Australian mm-hmm. dollars. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess that was. 
was that high end then, Steve? A little bit high end because of the yeah, it was low, it was high. because it was low it was mileage. High. Yeah, it was high because but it's of in low really mileage. good condition. So sorry, not high compared to the average, but not high against the kind of condition. Like I reckon the money that you paid for it was comparable to the spec of the car kind of thing. Yeah, the car is, I mean, inside is pretty immaculate, my car, right? It's not really, mm-hmm. there's yeah. not really worn. Um, air no, conditioning things, which were worn, as I've spoken about before, which I changed out the whole unit. But apart from that, yep. just sat air conditioning dials, everything, you know, the leather, etc. it was, you know, in really good condition. Yep. Um, when I bought that car, you know, I never thought, and as I said, you know, I remember talking to my brother and him saying, you know, you're going to lose money, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, look, mm. Porsches eventually appreciate. And I thought, you know, like all Porsches, and I've been watching them for so long that this 997, they haven't bottomed out. I didn't think they'd completely bottomed out. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to ride this a bit. Mm-hmm. It's 88. It might drop down to 60, 65, and then it'll mm-hmm. come back up again. What mm-hmm. I find interesting is it didn't drop down that low. The 997 didn't drop down that low, and I almost pretty much bought it at the bottom for the mileage of my car. Because when uh, I, well, after I bought yeah, my car, okay. there was a couple that used to come up for 82, 81. I think there was a local, I, I vaguely remember a low kilometer black one, base Carrera coming up for about 82. Yep. Um, but I don't think they really bottomed out any more than that in a manual. We're talking manual here. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. And I remember the same time I bought mine, <clears throat> and I've said this before, a guy that I used to talk to on um, YouTube, I think, or Instagram in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He bought a Carrera S and it had 70, it had a, had a higher kilometers. I think it had 70,000 kilometers or something, but he only mm-hmm. paid like 70 odd thousand for it. And I remember at the time thinking, man, that's so cheap. I paid way too much because he bought it pretty close the same time I bought mine. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, you know what I mean, Steve? I, I just, I just <laughs> always remember thinking I was going to bottom out, but it didn't really bottom out. It kind of was quite, the 997 price seemed to be quite stable. Um, and not like always... the not like the nine nine six that went. You know, I remember seeing nine nine six Carreras, and you did too. I'm sure. You know, they were sitting mm. at thirty nine thousand sometimes in Australia. But when you bought that car, now that you've kind of got a bit of benefit of hindsight, sort of thing, did you actually? So did you actually think that you that car would appreciate? Were you expecting it to appreciate? I thing? thought it would. I thought it would keep its value, right? Mm. But I thought it would drop in the in the short, medium term. I thought I was gonna it was gonna drop, and I'd have to just deal with it yeah that's bold because i i when you bought your car and similar to when i bought my car so i kind of go let's talk about yours like if you paid 88 for it i just made an assumption that yeah you know like it'll probably kind of get to maybe 60 65 and probably wouldn't go any lower than that so like for you and your particular kind of situation um which uh, but it didn't. You know, that would be a pretty kind of good deal. And it didn't. It obviously it didn't. didn't do that. No, it didn't, like, which is know, which is what I'm surprised about. Sort of rewinding the clock about five or six years. And that's how I kind of viewed cars just generally. Like I always sort of thought, oh, okay, like I'm being relatively, I'm being stupid because I'm spending like a hundred, hundred and something thousand dollars on a car, but I'm being relatively smart in terms of kind of getting something that isn't going to halve in value the minute I walk out the door that's obviously kind of changed in this day and age, but I didn't, I had no higher expectation than that um, for myself and even for you and sort of trying to give you a little bit of a hand. Yeah. I just knew from your experience, I knew it wasn't going to be like my Audi. You know what I mean? My Audi I bought new and my Audi I bought new and it went down to 15% of the value. Right. (laughs) Yep. And 
in fact, it was less than that. The trade-in I got for it was less than that. Um, let's yep. just call yep. it 8% of the value. That yep. was pretty much what it was worth as a trade-in, 8% of the value. Um, and that was yep. a well-looked-after car. You know what I mean? 100,000, 120,000 kilometers, but well-looked-after car. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was it? 13 years old at the time when I sold it. So I had that car for yep. a long time. Um, you know, so when I think about so, it like that, I always knew Porsche was going to be okay because I knew that, and I wasn't about that anyway. I wanted to have one. You know what I mean? I didn't really yeah, care. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really thinking so much about that because I wanted to have one. I didn't want to buy a new one. That price was in my price point. You know, it was under 90000 That was kind of my budget. I didn't really want to go over that budget. Um, and I was paying cash, you know, so I had to make, you know, I wanted to be sure I was in that that thing. I guess if I was getting finance yeah. or I had finance, I guess I would have, I maybe I would have pushed it more, which is always a problem with finance, Steve. I think it's like you push it a little bit more. I could go to 120, yep. where you really can't afford yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The thing about my car is I, you know, as a, a Porsche good owner stories kind of thing, is I bought the car I could afford. I wanted to pay cash. I wanted a manual. I wanted a 911. Yep. I wanted a 997. I actually, you know, me, I was actually looking for a 997, remember? I didn't really yep. need a Carrera S. It would have yep. been nice if it was in the price point. They weren't. Um, yep. So it fit, it ticked all the boxes. And in my back of my head, I thought, okay, it's going to go down. It might go down to 60, 70, you know, but then it'll go back yeah, up. but it wasn't going to go down but to But because my insurance never went down, I thought, well, okay, this is, this is okay then, you know, the value is still okay. Um, this is, and so. like this is, you know, back in those days kind of thing because I think it's very, very different now. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, I just never uh, – because if – hypothetically, I know you're not saying this, but if hypothetically at the time you, you know, like rewind the clock five, six years and you sort of said to me, this car's not going to go down, I would have tell, I would have told you that you're kind of kidding yourself that, you know, like you can't use my experience as a benchmark because my experience was with a 993, which was the last of the air cool and they were reviewed and all of this sort of stuff. And yeah. it's like I would have said to you, like, no chance that, you know, like your kind of 997 um, is going to I think you told to me it was going to go down. Money. I think you said to me it's going yeah, to go yeah. down. It'll go down. Don't Like I wouldn't have said to you don't expect that, um, don't expect it to kind of make money. Like you're kind of crazy if you think just because it's a 911 and it's a Porsche, it's got a Porsche badge on the back that you'll make money on it. That's that only – a that only applies to, you know, um, the sort of inverted commas, more special ones like a 993, yeah. which was the yeah. last of the year called and blah, 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 blah. But look at us now. I think the 997, though, I really do think, and this is no slide yeah. on 996, I think it's been helped by the 996. I do think the 997 value kept that stability because at the time no one, a lot of people didn't want a 996 and they were still looking at 997s. Yeah, maybe. And I think it kept the price up a little bit. And now that 996s have jumped to, you know, what 997s were, obviously everything's yep. going up along with it, which is just what happens. We've spoken about that before. But, you know, like what you said, Steve, you know, would I, you know, someone says, you know, like, I, I, you know, you can trade in your car. We've got someone who wants a 997, you know, they'll pay 120 yep. grand for it. They'll pay 115, 120 grand for it. Yep. I'm the same as you. Like if I sold it for 120 grand, what am I going to buy? You know, and I can't. You know, I could I could buy a nine twelve, but I I don't just want a nine twelve. You know, I still want a nine twelve. Um, like I said, my other property things taken priority at the moment, but yep. I couldn't just live so, with a nine. I couldn't just live with a nine twelve. I can't get a GT three because um, it's not enough money. I don't have enough money because I you know I I don't I'm not really big on the finance thing. I don't have enough money to be able to buy a GT three with less one hundred and twenty. Um, it's part and, of the way though. So does that. It's I was, part of I was the way, but, 
I was going to flip it to you and sort of go, okay, so what would it take for you to sell your 997? And you're halfway through answering that. Like, unlike, uh, this is going to sound a bit, whatever, um, bit funny, but I sort of said, well, the problem that I have is that even if you kind of offer me like well over the market value odds for my car, I would literally kind of go, I just, it wouldn't make a difference because I just don't think I, I don't really have a hankering for like, you know, many other kind of Porsches above me. But what would you get into, see? What would you get yeah, into? But would you would you go nine nine one point two? Is that tempting? Never driven one. I'm sure it would be an amazing, like a touring kind of thing. Would probably be sort of semi tempting. I don't know. I'd have to go and drive one. But see, like, there's only very few cars that, like, that aren't kind of crazy dream cars, like a nine eleven R sort of thing. Like, it pretty much would be a point two manual, whether it's a touring or a um, just a standard GT three or or maybe sort of more like a 997 RS kind of thing, they would probably be the two ilks of car that would that I would seriously kind of go um, and maybe realistically something that like would interest me kind of thing. Now, without sounding funny for you, you've been talking about GT3s and 912s and 991s and you, you've got you like jump a, all over the place. a broader range of things that you would potentially, like if you kind of got an extra sum of money that you would kind of get into. So. Yeah. I thought that maybe the way that you might answer the question might be slightly different, like in terms of what would it take to sell your 997? Because yeah. I know it wouldn't fully fund your the next thing, but it would still, like, wouldn't it be tempting if somebody kind of said, hey, you know, I'll give you 140 for your for your car? Yeah, but, you know, I think, it, you know, you're talking through, I mean, you start talking three car collections. I mean, I don't know. Mm. It depends. Mm. I always think of the balance. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always think of the balance. Um it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah, and look, I know this is sort of playing hypothetical and it's a bit of a kind of bullshit sort of um, dreamer type thing, but it's just weird. I don't know. The good the good thing about it for me when I sort of, this was sort of inspired slightly by a piston heads thread where I think people were talking about it just because like current Porsches have become, they have appreciated there's a supply issue, so therefore you know, even people in kind of new kind of 718 Caymans and stuff like that are all kind of going, oh, you know, dealers offering me, you know, to buy my car back, um, you know, should I let it go kind of thing. Um, it's uh, sort I know, of because funny everyone's got money to buy cars at the moment. You know, there's so many, you yeah. know, there's, there's so many people just wanting to buy cars. I mean, we're part of them. I'm not doing it because I don't have the money now. Mm. But, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, and look, for me, it just makes me feel good because I kind of go, nah, you know, to be honest, I'm just satisfied. Yours I, a great I'm car. really happy with my car. But look, I, you can't, you can never sort of say never kind of thing because no. I, I remember distinctly having this feeling about the 993, which is like, no, oh, I'm never letting, never letting go yeah. of that car. It's so cool. But I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm happy to keep my 997. I like how it is, mm. but I'd yeah. like to have something alongside it. And, you know, I yeah, like sure. the idea of a 912. Of course, I like the idea of a 911T. You know, yep. a seventies or seventy-three or whatever it is nine eleven T, something in that yep. range. I mean, I still like the nine twelve. You know that that body shape. I still like those um, that generation. Um, yep. And then <clears throat> jumping through the generations, I still you know the SC, um, which James at Porsche Platz kind of got me onto. I wasn't really looking them looking at them after until after I spoke to him a couple of times. The yep. SC, but the SCs jumped up crazy prices. And then the the three point two Carrera. You know what I mean? That's where I yeah. kind of see it. And, of course, 964, 993s, but 964s and 993s have just gone ridiculous. Everything's gone ridiculous, so you can't even think about it. Um, mm. But I don't know. I mean, new Porsches, you know, 
I do like the nine. I do like the nine nine one Turbo S. I actually mentioned it before from Magnus Walker because I think because I yeah. saw a lot in Bahrain. A lot of people have them in Bahrain. They they have the top right. end cars, and it's always the Turbo or the Turbo S. A lot of the times it's Turbo S. Yeah, and they're a, it's a really nice looking car. You know what I mean? And standing next yeah, to one, yeah, the one in my pretty, garage yeah. in Bahrain, it was like you know, it's it's that shape. Those those you know, it's just it's a nice car, and I know it's PDK, and I know it's you know. I still think it would be quite a good experience. I, I like the look of them. I kind of, uh, the 997 Turbo was sort of a little bit kind of polarizing in terms of it's got some detailing in it, like the little sort of driving fog light things down the bottom there. Um, just the shape of it wasn't as kind of cool. Yeah, it's not, I wouldn't be complaining. I kind of um, like the 991 shape better though. Turbo. Yeah, the 991 Turbo to my eyes is um, sort of a bit more elegant kind of thing. And I think it has to be a Turbo S. You know what I mean? I think yeah. if you're going to get that Turbo, you don't just get the Turbo. If you can buy one secondhand and you can get a good one at a good price, and they're not good prices at the moment. They're crazy still. But yeah. I think it would and be. If, if it was me, I wouldn't go with the I would just skip the Turbo. It has to be the Turbo S. Right. Yeah, and I was about to say, like, um, in 996s as well, I reckon the Turbo, from an aesthetic kind of point of view, is, like, far better than the kind of um, standard ones. Just the yeah, shape of it, yeah. like in terms of the front kind of vents yeah. and the the wider arches in the rear. Like, yeah, um, no, no, it's just, like, a, a much prettier car. car. It's a great looking car. Yeah. Marco's car is a beautiful car, you know, really good looking yeah. car. I mean, I, you know, I'm still yeah. a fan of those. I'm still a fan of those, but they're way too expensive now. <laughs> Everything is. <laughs> you right. got to be got to be wealthy. You got to be wealthy like Marco oh. to be able to afford one of those. Yeah, it's super rich. <laughs> um, what else, Steve? I think that's it. I think we'll. I think we'll leave it. What do you think? Yeah, sure. What do we yeah, talk yeah. about today? Absolutely. What would it take to sell your nine nine seven? I don't think Steve and I are going to sell a nine nine seven. So that was we we've worked it out for you guys. Yeah, um, you're going to have to prize it out of my yeah. cold lying corpse. Daily in nine eleven. <laughs> Daily in nine eleven. Like I said, I like talking to Jeremy. I like people who you know really enjoy their cars and drive it. Um, like I said, I do yeah. have some regrets where I haven't driven mine enough as. As you know, Steve, I'm intending on driving it a lot. I'm still thinking about that roof box too, not the Porsche one, but I'm still thinking about the tool roof box with the roof bars. Mm. I think I just like how it looks more than if I'm ever going to use it. But, um. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you going to put in there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Apart from me trying to escape. Well, you know when you go on road trips, you buy oranges and honey and stuff, you know, like you just fill up your car with fruit or something. I don't know. Fruit. <laughs> maybe unless I get a tent, maybe I could camp on the way to Melbourne or Queensland. That looks really sketch, kind of climbing <laughs> up on those kind of roof tent things. Like. Yeah, I don't know about that either. I wouldn't do it. I don't know how comfortable <laughs> you would be sleeping because it's like, am I going to like roll over and kind of put a big ding in uh, something? Or I'm not know. a tent person. I've slept in, I've camped when I was younger <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of times, uh-huh. and I just, it's not for me. It's not for me. It doesn't look all that comfortable, but anyway. Yeah, I don't know. What else? Anything else? Mm, no. No. I think that's it. I think we'll kill it. Cool. All right. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Have a good... I know you, you've you got to go somewhere as well. You're going to go some do something very important now. Uh, no, not really. Sydney's in lockdown. It's pretty pretty horrible. Like the whole kind of... Um, I sort of have behaving like I've been in lockdown for months anyway, so it's not actually that big a change for me kind of thing, but it is... I don't know, there is something just a little bit kind of uh, 
claustrophobic about it, I suppose. But, but they haven't closed the shops, have they? They haven't closed retail stores or anything, which yeah. I find a bit odd. Why don't they clo- no. just keep those essentials like chemists and supermarkets and liquor stores open? Just the essential things. It's, it's very hard to kind of figure out how the kind of rules work. Like there was a lot of criticism because they sort of left retail stores open and then people were kind of going to the retail stores because they never told them not to. The most recent kind of set of rules, they said there's no browsing in shops. Like you can yeah, go to the shops yeah. to kind of go and do your groceries and stuff like that. But then I, you can kind of understand it because it's not just a health issue. It's also an economic kind of thing. You know, like I think it's sort of fair if you go, well, let shops stay open if they can sell stuff online and kind of organize themselves and have everything delivered. Like um, yes. and you can keep your business going then yeah. you know, by all means yeah but true true it's just funny because like last last lockdown hairdressers were deemed an essential thing and this time they're not so oh really don't know how hairdressers closed yeah. yeah hairdressers are closed this time that's so weird um well you heard you i mean london's going to come out of everything there on the 19th um no freedom Mars, is that what apparent. it's called yeah but you know there's something to report today that they're expecting a hundred deaths i don't know whether it was a day or a week they're expecting the death rate to go up but they just mm-hmm. want to open up so see what happens see what happens yeah very it's very, very scary. strange times we live in but it's scary um, i'm glad i'm vaccinated yeah look you know i know like offline maybe last week or the week before you'd sort of said to me um with slightly kind of quizzical facial expressions like how come you're not vaccinated? Like, you know, what have you got against it? <laughs> and the answer to that, like, I'm sure like a lot of um, Australians and Sydney siders feel like me about this is like, no, no, I'm not against it. It's just that, you know, like I registered and everything. It's just that it wasn't available to me until, you know, now, like I booked in, I got the email like a month ago and I'm still really? not due until August. So um, in Australia, our government's just been terrible at sort of um, securing um, vaccine supply. Yeah, so, I guess I'm... Used to how efficient Bahrain is. Bahrain's very efficient. Their app, the whole mm. way they do it. You know, the Middle East has got a lot of positives. They do so many things so well and so efficiently, um, especially kingdoms. You know what I mean? Um, right. They really, really do. It's ramping up, I think, because um, I do know, like many people, that were quite cynical about vaccination, and I'm not one of those. Um, so I do know, um, I do understand when you sort of. Uh, quizzically looked at me. It's like no, no. Like, no, I think I, I think I, I, everyone. I see, I didn't mean to do that. I did that to Ajmal. I thought Ajmal was the same. I said, you know, you're an anti-vaxxer yeah. because I thought he was too, but he wasn't. He was just waiting to get called up. I don't know. Yeah. I think I was just in the wrong frame of mind because being in Bahrain, it just happened so quickly. It wasn't by age. It's just like you go onto the app. I've said this before. You go onto the app, and then we got, you know, you get called up. Basically, it's just you yeah. just get you pick which one you want out of the five different vaccines. I'll have Pfizer. You know what I mean? I don't yep. want any of the others. I don't want Sinopharm. I don't want AstraZeneca. I don't want, you know, yep. what the Johnson & Johnson. I want Pfizer. And then you pick it and then they ring you the day before and then you go to the hospital and you get it done. And then three weeks later, you yeah. go back and get yep. your second lot. I mean, it's very easy, very easy. This this conversation could go like for hours longer, but I think Australians have been very lucky because we're isolated. So we weren't necessarily kind of caught. But now that there's Delta variants here, like um, – like I sort of said, I think our government has been very short-sighted in terms of thinking about and securing vaccine. You know what? Um, that's the problem here now. The thing I don't understand, I'm, I, I'm probably going to finish on this, but Australia mm. is close is close to um, certain Asian, certain Indian, yep. you know, certain continents. It seems yep. very weird that Australia wouldn't be hard hit by the Delta virus. And I'm not going to call it by a country the virus, but, you know, 
where it originally originated. That's everybody there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, the problem with the Middle East is a lot of the um, laborers, a lot of the cheaper laborers are from those regions. So this is why the numbers in Bahrain broke out, I think. You know, this is why it happens. So, you know. I just think it's crazy that, like, any country would sort of think that, oh, we're so far away. It's like, nah. You're never too far away. Yeah, the thing about it here is, like, the the dude that supposedly sort of started it all went shopping in Bondi Junction and then he crossed paths. He literally just walked past some other dude and that other dude got it in, a, in you know, Meyer and Bondi Junction or some, something like that. So yeah. that's how... You catch it really easily. Oh, it's scary. Yeah, that's, scary. if it's that's that scary contagious, bit. then exactly. Mm. So that's that's what's kind of different about all this. Yeah. So. Well, looks like you've got a few weeks more in lockdown there, so you won't be able to go for a drive. Yeah, I remember battery flat, so... <laughs> oh, really? Oh, we didn't talk about anywhere. that. Did you get a new battery? No, I've got to do it. Um, do you want to keep talking just for a bit? Um, yeah, like, um, it's locked down here, so I was looking for st- things to do, and, you know, like when the kids kind of finally go and have their afternoon nap, I'd sort of try to get a little bit of time downstairs, and I've been tinkering with the car, and, you know, um, I did the novice thing of um, obviously just leaving the um, interior light on, so I ran my battery flat. Um, so that actually ran your battery flat because you know I did that one night I was cleaning mm-hmm. my car the same thing and then the next morning mm-hmm. I came down and Tasha said are your lights on when she got in the car she said your interior light is it your interior lights on it's like oh mm-hmm. damn but my car started fine no I don't think like for me because this is like you know maybe five maybe I've done it five times kind of thing and I think on a brand new battery, you'd be fine. Like definitely don't kind of play your stupid radio as you're kind of, you know, toiling away because that'll that'll flatten your battery. But um, so basically I kind of, I've been doing this. Then I realized that I flat my battery. I um, jump-started it, put it on the trickle charger the last few days. But um, it dawned on me, I went back through my invoices and this Vata battery that I'm on, um, Autohouse fitted it six, more than six years ago. So... What's the life um, of a battery, though? Is it is it not that long? They're not that long. Like a, a reasonable one is sort of, I think, more like about three or four years. Shit, I hope um, my battery's okay. Mm-hmm. Never get an RMA battery because I've had that go let go in like a year and a half kind of thing. Like I know they've got warranties and stuff, but it's mm-hmm. such a pain in the ass. Um, so six six plus years on this battery is good going, and. I think it's just, um, you know, like with any kind of battery, like an iPhone battery or whatever, um, if you let it go dead and then you sort of try to, you know, resurrect it, um, I think you basically kind of screw it up. So, so. you can drive it to Auto House and get a replacement? Yeah, I'll be able to start it. Like I can okay. – uh, it's just I put it on the trickle charger and it won't hold its – oh, I have right. a feeling it won't hold just its charge. Just enough to start so it though. At least you can get it started. That's the main thing. I can get it started or I can use the jump starter to kind of get it oh, going okay. and then just drive to Auto House. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. All right, yeah. mate. Let's let's yeah, leave it for today. I'm gonna uh, I'm Sorry, gonna get some me. sleep. It's twelve thirty. Yeah, uh, I've got an early start tomorrow. <laughs> All right, mate. Sleep, mate. Thanks, All mate. Right. Cheers. Have a good day. Talk you uh, talk during the week. Talk next week. Oh, good mate. All right. Take it easy. All right, everyone. Uh, that was Steve coming in from Sydney. Thank you for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. My name's Michael Bath, um, and that's it. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.